Competition to a pleasure run and all the stops in between. We cover all here at Coon Hunting Media. Hello, everybody. This is the Coon Hunt Media podcast joining you. We are getting ready to do episode three. Uh, we're today actually sitting here. This is uh, I'm Jason, and it is it's myself and Johnny. And we've got our special guest today. We have got uh, Mr. Mark Vandebeter uh, sitting down with us. Uh, Johnny and I have been looking forward to this one, and they decided to let us just do it by ourselves. So we, we've followed Mark's bloodlines for most of our lives. Kind of pick Mark's brain, let him tell us some stuff, and we will uh, sit back and listen and hope you guys enjoy it as well. Oh, we're glad to be here, thankful to be here. Glad for the opportunity we have to be able to be here. Like I said, we're going to talk to Mark and got some questions for him and uh, kind of pick his brain and see uh, kind of a breeder's perspective perspective on some things. So introduce yourself there, young man. Well, Mark Vandeventer. Uh, you ever had a blue dog before? That's all I've ever had. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's that's why we follow. So that's that's good. So what we're going to do, Mark, we want to sit down and uh, just kind of go through some questions, and then anything we don't cover, if we don't ask it, if you think of it, so y'all, you should have asked that. Throw it in there, and uh, we'll we'll shoot the ball. We don't have Stacy with us. We normally he's he's our comedian over here at most of these episodes, and we have a hard time keeping it straight. We hit the pause button quite a bit <laughs> as we're going through this. But uh, uh, you want to start with some of your questions, Johnny, or you want to start down this list? Well, the first thing that I had, Mark, you've uh, you have done a lot of winning with a lot of different dogs, and a lot of those dogs, most of those dogs, you've raised. Uh, which which crosses have you made in the past that you feel were your biggest successes? You know, a lot of times, what I consider my success, other people doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of those litters that we've had after rehoming them from puppies, the owners have sold them, made a lot of money on them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't compare success to the dollar value. I compare it to which dog I want to keep the longest. You know, so we, we've made several different crosses. I've never went back to the same stud dog more than once. Not saying it won't happen, but I like to try a different things. You know, you never know. It's a crapshoot, so... But we, we mainly just hunt what we breed. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that we've always admired and watched. I mean, because you're always packing your dogs. Uh, it's it's rarely uh, being that you're you're out here buying dog. We're seeing you're buying you know hunting a dog that somebody else has got. It's a Mark dog. It's it's a Vandevere dog. It come from your kennel. Uh, another thing on those on those studs, you I think you you've done better than most by going to different studs you've tried a lot of different stuff so uh which which one of those if we were to put you on the spot did you uh you like the best i mean what what would you think was probably one of your better crosses the bodacious sadie cross they wasn't nothing ever come out of that worth shooting were they no they <laughs> we, we, we called most of those 
But, you know, that gave me Dizzy and Bocephus was out of that cross and several others. Uh, Dizzy was a, a pleasure to hunt, a big, big mouth on a female. The, you know, most of my crosses produce hard-going dogs. A lot of people call, well, you think these puppies go hunting. My, my blue dogs just don't, don't go hunting, you know. If a fellow wants more hunting what, than my dogs, they're a better man than I am. <laughs> I mean, I, I've never had that problem with not going hunting. And I, I don't know where that comes from. Apparently, it's out there somewhere, but I've never, with any of the crosses, I've never experienced it. So you've really never had any of the crosses you made where you're worried about putting hunt in your dogs? No. No, we don't have that issue. And I don't know if, if it's the way people raise the dogs. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I don't raise them any different. I just turn them loose and they go hunting. So that's a, that's a good, good thing to not have to have. That's a big checkbox of not having to worry about when you're starting pups as a trainer and a breeder. Yeah. If you know you got the hunt part, they're going to do it. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. You know, we bred uh, Sneakers, which was, or Trudy, excuse me, which was off the Boomer Cross, uh, bred her to uh, Big Country, and that got my Molly dog. And uh, Molly may have not won as much as Dizzy or Sadie, but Molly was a pleasure to handle, enjoyed. Uh, she loved to please you, uh, easy to handle, call her in, lead broke, uh, clean tree dog, always by herself. Uh, you know, just because they win big in certain areas doesn't mean that, that those are the ones that I like the best. It's just, uh, you know, the, now the Boomer, uh, Boomer Sadie Cross, as far as the owners who bought the pups, probably made the most money out of all of them. Really? Well, yeah, they, there was a bunch of them that, that sold afterwards for big money, uh, natural, natural dogs. I spent a lot of time trying to buy one of those dogs, just different ones. I never was successful, but I've chased a bunch of them down. Well, yes. you got to you got to get the money. Out yeah, of you got to get the money out of the wallet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to get deep. Outlaw Light Company, owned by Alan Roberts, located in Ten Mile, Tennessee. Twenty-five years of light building experience with the newest addition to their lineup, the Ace Pro. They are constantly striving for the best parts. The Ace Pro has better switches and batteries, and it has the option of double walk light and two additional color modules, main beam and a green laser, or a single walk light with three color modules, main beam and a green laser. All their lights are known for dependability and extreme brightness. Contact Outlaw Lights for their complete light selection. Their direct business number is 423-453-8813. The Ace Pro, the light with a lifetime warranty. Briar Creek Kennels. Feed and Hunting Supply Store, owned by Chris Girth, located in Hamera, Indiana. Briar Creek carries all your pet supplies and is the headquarters for all your hunting dog gear. Never get caught in the dark. They carry outlaw lights, superior lights, 
and their own Briar Creek Light brand. They are an authorized Garmin and Dogtra dealer. They offer hunting apparel by Yoder Nylon, Southside Hunting Gear, Dan's, Razor, and their own Briar Creek branded gear. Dog boxes include Old Dry Pond and Diamond Deluxe, AGM thermals, engraved nameplates, dog collars, and leads are just a few of the many other offerings you can get from Briar Creek. Visit the store in person or shop online at www.shopbriarcreek.com or check them out at the major events. Their direct business number is 812-383-9489. Briar Creek Kennels Feed and Hunting Supply Store. When we first started out this podcast, we when we first started talking about what we were trying, going to try to do, we was going to try to get some of the, the older guys that made a lot of uh, impressions in their breed of, of crosses and, and try to get those things lined up. One of the things that we talked about was uh, uh, um, which ways – we talked about different stud dogs, and I asked to talk about Mark, and I was just going to ask him if he – ever hunted with a stud dog that he used or if he went by word of mouth or just seen them go or what what piqued his interest to make those crosses i have hunted with uh with several of the stud dogs i used i'm kind of stuck on some line breeding any good female that goes back from from sadie that goes back to sadie i like to cross them on stud dogs that go back to sadie i mean and I'm not promoting anybody's line. It, that started long before I ever, I ever had anything to do with it. You know, it's not my line. But just look at the reproducers list. Look at the stud dogs that's on it and that's reproduced. That's on the reproducers list now that goes back to Sadie. And, mm-hmm. and go deeper than that. Look at, look at the females that I bred other stud dogs and look at their... I think we had four, three, three grand knights and two champions off the Pison cross, the Pison and Dizzy. You know, so the, the I'm a female guy, and everybody will tell you that you know when you're packing a dog, oh that's off of Bo Cephas or that's off a of, uh, off of uh, Big Money, you know, mm-hmm. or, or Bone Collector. They don't. They don't say what good female they bred to them dogs, mm-hmm. you know. The female just don't get the credit, and that's that's a lot out there, in my opinion. With um, with us watching, uh, we we think a lot on those same lines, and that's what we've talked about ourselves. You're not the guy packing the stud dog. You're uh, typically the guy showing up with a a female that's going to uh, be the top contender in a hunt, and uh, as a breeder, that's why you're always been able to consistently. I think continually make those crosses because you were always keeping a top female. Uh, and, and that's part of it, you know. I, I did want to touch basis on the, on if I've hunted with a lot of them. I've, I've, I'm used to be the world's worst at outcrossing. If we went hunting and I liked your dog, I'd go back and look at it. And if I halfway liked that pedigree, I'd go breed to it. I've seen what I've seen, you know. But a lot of these people just can't hunt with every dog. Mm-hmm. I got a good friend, uh, Richard Edinger, Oklahoma, and he makes it a point. Him and uh, Jensen Poole out of Texas, mm-hmm. they make it a point to go hunting with these stud dogs. 
And if I got a question on a stud dog where I think I've been hearing good things and I want to check them, chances are they've hunted with them. You know, and I call them up and they'll say, you know, I, I went hunting with him and he's pretty common. Or they'll say, you know, that we made five drops. He treed five coons and he treed exactly the same on the fifth tree as he did the first tree. You know, Pink Floyd, which is what Leroy Sneakers off of. Richard took a female to him that, that he said was just crazy tree dog. And the whole litter turned out to be super classy, stand on the wood, clean tree dogs. You know, and, and Richard's had great success on picking these stud dogs. So I, I value them guys that actually go hunt with them dogs. Now you're not gonna take that uh, for word off every guy you know, but I know these guys that they know what they're looking at. So you know these guys know what they, they're looking yeah, for yeah. when they go in the woods. So if you're not able to hunt with the dogs, you're actually checking to see if they've hunted with these dogs as well so you kind of got your first hand uh critique on them as you're going that, that's good because we wondered how you've because some of the crosses like you said uh you would outcross and we've we've had those conversations mm -hmm. because they ended up working and we would be like i wonder how he decided to use that dog because that's not the one i would have just didn't stand out as the one i'd pick right off and then next thing you know you've got dogs out here showing up out of that cross you had made well it worked uh, you know you got to hunt mm -hmm. you know if you if you'll notice as you get older, you don't hunt as much, you don't have quite the dog power. It's simple as that. That's true. You know, you you got to put them in the woods. Mm-hmm. Now, that is very true. Yeah. What other question are you thinking of, Johnny? Anything else there to – Well, I'm just going to ask that? you, <clears throat> on, that, on that perspective, the uh, natural females, and we've talked about this before, and I'm, I don't know that Mark feels the same way, but he may, and we'll let him elaborate – uh, a female that starts naturally, that takes off, that you can take them to the woods and get them started and get them going. And you don't have to do a whole lot of coaching, a lot of training to them. They just got the natural ability born in them. And just bringing some, adding to that, bringing it out a little bit more. Uh, I think those type of females are more successful to be better reproducers uh, as far as a natural tree dog because uh, I know some you can make a lot of dogs tree and if you give them enough time and do this but as far as one that start, takes off and goes and, and finishes into a nice product uh, that's kind of what I would look for and I think that's kind of what Mark's done over the years is kept nice natural females uh, that's a must uh, you know we all started dogs with other dogs Good friend of me, of mine, Doug Lee, great puppy guy. He'd just take his out, walk it by itself, and next thing you know, it'll be trained coons. The last three females I've had, two two females, you just take them out, and walk them, and the next thing you know, they're running trained coons. And uh, then again, all these blue ticks—they don't start till they're two years old. You know, they're slow. I've got them trained coons that five and six months old. Uh, for me, it's all about natural. I'm not a dog trainer. I just hunt. So if you're expecting me to train a dog that ain't got it, I'm lost. I'm not a big name trainer. So if I, if I go out, males and females need to be natural. That's what we need to breed. I don't want to breed a man-made dog because I don't know how to make them. 
And they're probably not going to repeat that, re- <clears throat> reproduce those same qualities yeah. if you yeah. make them. You know, yeah. I think you probably just hit a, a very, very valid point. Uh, it is better to study and, and desire to be a good breeder than it is a trainer because if you can become a successful breeder, and when I say successful, your, your record says success, uh, you don't have to be a trainer. A lot more money in training. A lot more money in training. Breeding. That's that's true. But it, you, yeah. you've made the right decisions. When you, if you, I guess what I'm thinking there, if you do the right crosses, make the right decisions, you end up with dogs that don't have to be trained. You just have to take. Yep. And that's Absolutely. that's what you're you you've been able to do with these. So that's that's pretty interesting. That's a good point though. Yeah. And impact on a breed. I mean, I've talked to people in. Uh, and talked about Mark and this and that and these females and the way these crossed and made up and the dogs that we hunt today without a lot of these crosses that he's made over the years they'd be non-existent exactly I mean uh, and I've talked to people over that and they said what about this what about that I said the man had to go make the cross before this dog was available the other he had to go make this cross before that dog was available and these are crossed back over to get this dog I said without Mark and the crosses that he's made, uh, we we wouldn't be where we're at today with the, the style of dogs that everybody likes to hunt nowadays. I mean, people want dogs that's going to be by themselves, that gets deep, and most of them want one that gets deep quick. Uh, I mean, as far as competition, there's a lot of. I don't mind a dog that starts hunting when I cut it loose, but I don't. I don't care if it's got to go a mile and a half to get a coon, but. If it wants to start hunting right there, that's fine. But if it wants to blow in there three-quarters of a mile, half mile, that's fine too. Just because we don't have the coons uh, at home that we do that there are in other places. But uh, but without these crosses that he's made over the years, we, we, we wouldn't have the big-name dogs that we have in the blue dogs. You know, and it, so when does it become your credit or what you did? I mean... That's why I said from the very beginning, there's a lot of dogs before I ever got started, you know. The year we placed third in the UKC World Hunt, at the top 100, there was nine blue ticks, and seven of them was off Rambo too. Mm-hmm. You know. That's a pretty good number. Yeah. For one is. stud dog it to is. make. And, and, and Ron Or Taylor, any dog. Ron Taylor had that error, you know, where mm-hmm. everything was off of Levi. And you go to hunt, and in the top 100, they're the over 50% would be off Levi. You know that's a that's a credit of first of all people going to to Levi or Rambo too. Uh, you got to get the numbers, but you got to breed. You got to breed. You know, two naturals just don't need to need the attention as as handmade dogs. Mm-hmm. Now, to to the point that Johnny just made, I, I meant to say this earlier in the podcast. Because um, what we have found is, you know, we know these pedigrees inside out. So we get to talking dogs, and I don't even think about it because we we study them, and they're they're in our head all the time. Every conversation we talk, my wife says, you know, that's all you guys talk about. There's not something else to talk about. I, I but, sure I sure get them confused. <laughs> <laughs> but what I my point to that is, and this is for, and we've got a lot of comments from people that because we like I said we've been blown away with the amount of people listening to this podcast. 
not what we was expecting. We had no idea eight or 9,000 people was going to listen to this this last episode in the first couple of days. So there's a lot of people out there that don't know these pedigrees and so forth. And that was the point Johnny was making uh, when you start looking at these dogs. And that's why we wanted to sit down with you because you really never went after the credit or whatever. But out of the dogs out there today, the pedigrees that everybody wants, the dogs that everybody wants to follow, you're pretty much stacked in there somewhere with some decision you've made in the past. It's either it's still relevant. It may, it may be first, second generation, but you definitely jump back to third generation, whatever. None of that stuff, it's all going back to your, your crosses that you made on Sadie and stuff back in the day. So for those listeners that are uh, not, you know, not blue tick people or they're not, not, not really following the pedigrees and stuff, you know, that's what we wanted to sit down with Mark for is because those decisions that he's made, the crosses over the years that he's made have been so influential in the top hounds of today. I mean, the dogs we chase today, I mean, they're all out of it. I bought two two puppies, uh, I call them puppies, young dogs, got them brought down here, we're gonna hunt, your stuff's all in it. I mean, and it, it's just, it's different crosses that's been made over the years. So to what Johnny was talking about, these dogs that everybody's like chasing and after, it goes back to stuff that you've done. So that was why we wanted to do that. So for those listeners, that's, that was one of the things to keep in mind. We, we, we consider your, you kind of a top breeder from that aspect. So that was, that was interesting. What we want to talk about next, Johnny? Well, I've got, I, I got a question. So out of your crosses, um, have you ever made a cross that you had high hopes for that really disappointed you? Have you, have you ever done that? Well, yeah, that's why. I have, that's how I could think of the question. <laughs> you know, and I grew up with uh, the Warren Hasler and uh, Ed Mead. Proven crosses, proven crosses. It's gonna work, you know. So, uh, me and my buddy Doug, we we breed Sadie, which good good mouth, to uh, Clear River Diamond Gym, which. My buddy Doug raised up there in Illinois, and he, mm-hmm. and then when he got about eleven months old, went back to Jim Smalling, and uh, little Jim had a big mouth, so we come off we come off the world hunt. We get these two bred, and this is gonna be this is gonna be cross now, because they're both complete natural. I, I I don't know about Sadie. I didn't raise Sadie. You know Phil Davis and uh, Joe Richardson had had Sadie as a young, so uh, but I know little Jim was a real deal and a track dog deluxe. So we uh we make this cross and I'm not I mean I'm not kidding you. The whole cross came out sounding like a coyote in a conibear bear trap <laughs> grabbing for its last breath. <laughs> and a couple of them turned out pretty good and their mouths kind of cleaned up a little bit about 2 years old. But the rest of them you couldn't stand and listen to. It's terrible. And for you know, for a Walker dog guy, that that don't make no difference. But for a blue tick guy, that's a huge difference. So that's a disappointment. And and from that time on, I use that as a stepping stone to saying that we don't know what we're doing. We have no clue what's gonna come out of a cross. You breed you breed two female a male and a and a and a female with big, beautiful mouse, and you get that kind of crap. We don't we don't have a clue how this stuff's going to come out. We're just, we're just guessing. Yeah. So was that one one of those that that you didn't care to go and try all kinds of stuff after that because you decided it's a crapshoot at that point. You just do the you best know, you can. 
And I get asked that all the time. I mean, you, you know how it is. People call you and say, hey, I got this female. What would you breed it to? And I'll ask them, you know, what's the strong points? Because, you know, if you've got a dog that barks two, two barks a minute and you breed it to a 100 bark a minute tree dog, that ain't going to fix it. You shouldn't be breeding a, if you want a tree dog, you should be breeding a 100 bark a minute tree dog to a 100 bark a minute tree dog. So, I, I mean, I, I, am, I agree with improving your, your weaknesses, but still, let's not ask for the miracle. But I always ask them, I said, well, what are you thinking about breeding to? good friend of mine says well i kind of like that hook dog and i'm not bashing anybody's breeding mm -hmm. uh i'm not real big on the jet stuff uh i do know how it i mean a lot of it turns out you know and a lot of it makes coon dogs i just haven't had that kind of luck and he knew that before he asked me but but uh and then again that's just a couple times i've done it so you know of course boomer that cross was pretty good mm -hmm. but uh i said well you want to you're thinking about hook well go do it what makes a difference if you don't do it you'll always think well what how would that cross work if you want to do it go do it and you'll look like the the next genius if it works you know and, and that's half the battle it's your dog if you think it's going to work breed Breed two good dogs together, and that way you're satisfied, mm -hmm. and then you can move on to the next step. So you tried. At least you got your trial. You know, that's, that's a good point. You know, so. that's all you can do is try because it, it all don't make no sense anyhow. <laughs> you know what I mean? So sometimes when we're scratching our head on if this stuff worked or not, it was worth the try anyway. Move on to the next one and try well, it again. So if I breed, if I have 100 puppies out of the best stuff money can buy, and you have 2,000 puppies out of anything in your yard who's going to have the most mm -hmm. dogs that turn out. You are. Just sheer sheer numbers. Sheer numbers. And, and even, even if you're breeding house dogs or pot lickers, you don't know how they, you don't know why they are that way. They may have had all the tools, never given a chance. And I'm not promoting puppy mills or anything like that. Correct, you know? correct. I'm just telling you, that's a fact. We all want to, we all want to complain about that guy that's, selling 20 litters a year i'm just saying look outside the box is he right or wrong that ain't for me i'll guarantee it mm -hmm. but just because you don't agree with it don't necessarily mean yeah. it ain't the right thing yeah to do. you raise you raise one litter this year and you get nine puppies and four of them turn out to be grand night champions that's a good litter that's but a great, they they, they, great litter. they raise yeah that's a great litter they raise a hundred puppies and get nine puppies out of there to grand night champions where they look you know yeah. oh they got more out of that but that's that's not good odds uh, it, compared to yours i no, mean that's it's not well, so that's so, uh we're sitting around the fire talking about this one night what is a sex a successful litter is it mm -hmm. is it the litter that i made that throws the first blue tick world champion or is it the litter you made that threw five nice dogs that people like i mean what is the difference because mm -hmm. i'm famous for making that cross you made five people happy mm -hmm. you know that's and you're making more you're making more competitive coon dogs the one that had the five because i mean well, we all know that world hunt it's it's what the blue tick breeds and it seems like we've never got <laughs> oh, to man. but whoever does get it <laughs> They are going to be famous in, in our little world, that's for certain. Ron asked me uh, years and years ago, I, 
I see, I never competitioned for years, and uh, I bred something to Ron Taylor's stuff, and he asked me, "Well, son, what what do you want to get out of this blue tick breed?" And I said, "You know, I'm I'm not real particular. I, I would like to have something to do with the first blue tick that wins the UKC World Hunt." Mm-hmm. And I thought I thought Mister Strickland might help me out on that, but, <laughs> but uh, well, he let me down. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say when it does happen, it will uh, happen. It will happen. Uh, you're going to be tied in there somewhere. It, that pedigree. If I had to bet money right now, you're going to be across somewhere, and that pedigree is going to come out of your cattle. Oh, it, it's going to. I, I hope it does. I'll say I, that. I'm going on record. <laughs> That's where it's going to end up happening. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of other dogs that uh, that can do it and get it done. There is. It, it'll be the dog with the luck that night. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. It just takes a lot of luck. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things that uh, hampers the blue tick people is our tradition with the blue tick breed. You, 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 whatever wins the world, huh? Walker dog, it can sound like a mouse. And everybody will breed to that because they don't care what it sounds like. They care what that paper card looks like at the end of the night. At the end of the night. That's you right. Know, if, if a dog throws a litter of pups and every one of them barks a hundred times on the ground and never shuts up, them guys going to flock to that dog mm-hmm. because that wins. Mm-hmm. You know, and the blue tick people, we're so dang traditional that we want that ball mouth track and we want that dog can still run that track. And that's, in today's market, we don't have time to run tracks. You know, when my dog's running, Sadie was an excellent track dog, had had a good nose. And, uh, and I'm not ashamed to say that I'd seen her on the ground for an hour before. But she trees that raccoon. Now you could have a den. Mm-hmm. Most dogs can't couldn't even smell that. Where that that dog runs through that through the country, and they strike it in sixty one seconds. It runs and it runs that track for a mile and a half and gets treed, and got a kitten coon on the side of a tree. Now all of a sudden he's a better dog than what we're hunting. But he got to see his coon and I didn't because I had a track. You had, had to run. Yeah, track, you had to run. Yeah. Uh, so with that, I think we're about to get into something there that I'd like to hear you talk a little more about. We need to take a quick commercial break so we can go in and uh, talk about our sponsors for a moment. So we'll, we'll get right back on that thought here in just a minute. Dakota Lock Company, owned by Hoop and Tater Franklin, located in Teleco Plains, Tennessee. With the newest addition to their lineup, the Dakota Express. This lot features the industry-leading True Dual Battery Pack cap light. Switching from Battery 1 to Battery 2 is a simple flip of a switch. Contact Dakota Lights for their complete light selection. All of their lights are known for dependability and extreme battery life. Their direct business number is 423-261-2551. Dakota Lots, great lots, and even greater customer service. Dillon's Electric Company, owned by Ricky Dillon. Located in Crossfield, Tennessee, Dillon's Electric offers a wide range of electrical service, from small jobs to large expansions, from new construction to electrical repairs. Give Ricky a call at 931 287 4761 
Dylan's Electric, a quality you can always trust. Okay, we are joining back in, and we'll pick back up where we were at on that conversation. So, uh, you started talking about it, Mark, uh, right before we ended. Uh, what what is? Why are we not getting there? Why are we not doing that? Because what you started talking about, how on the Walker people, they don't care. Uh, they did. They're they're looking at what it takes to to plus those scorecards up and win, and and us blue tick people as a whole, we've been so set in our ways. So. Keep talking about what we were ended on right there and your thoughts on that. You know, all you, all you hear is the blame of one blue ticker won't use another blue ticker kennel. I don't buy into that completely. I mean, we all have our favorites. I, I for one, are definitely not kennel blind. I've used all of them. Uh, I think it's just it's more the reason we love the blue tick breed. You know, we raised on a dog that can run a track, that's got that locate, sits down in trees nice and it's just the stuff that we that as blue tickers we enjoy if if we didn't enjoy that we'd be hunting a, a leopard dog or a, a walker dog or something you know and i think it's just more of us being the the tradition tradition traditional background mm-hmm. that we enjoy these traits and to us that's what makes a coon dog not necessarily what wins you know, we we spend 20 minutes trailing the coon 500 yards, and we tree. That coon's got 20 minutes to get to a den, a nest, or he may be on the outside of the tree. That walker dog that strikes in 61 seconds flies through the country and supposedly runs. And I, I shouldn't say walker dog. It, it's all it's the babblers I don't like. Mm-hmm. And uh, that dog runs through the country and gets treated at seven-eighths of a mile, bushwhacks a coon on a five-foot branch, and all of a sudden he's a better dog. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's what's holding us back. And we've got a couple big handlers in the blue tick breed, but look at the amount of, the, of big handlers that knows everything, that pushes the issues, that hunts some of these other breeds. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a guy that's, laid back hunting a blue tick that that's a good point you know Mm -hmm. if if a walker dog guy would have had sadie she'd have went much further Uh, she had a lot of ground mouths Uh, it was hard for me to hear hard no matter who you turn loose with that night she sounded like another dog and me not wanting to step on people's feet i'd hold back you'd hold back but you took a walker dog guy that's that's used to all those squeaks and wobbles and stupid locates that they have uh, he did a lot better with with understanding what she was doing, you know. But mm-hmm. why why do you raise a dog or own a dog that you don't want to hunt? Right, right. That's a good point. But uh, if if we would get in there and get the bigger handlers more excited about the blue dogs, it, that that's probably when that's it's going to be one of the big handlers probably get a hold of one and push it in there because they it might not be in the dog that we would have as a blue tick breeder of old would have said I don't want that one. They're like that's the one I want. What's yeah. a what's that uh, female that uh, Trey Melton had? Was it Sno- Snooter that babbled all? I don't he- remember. Was it Hemi? Hemi. Lordy B. And <laughs> but she would be one of the kind that could she could tree take rac- you somewhere. She could tree raccoons, but, mm-hmm. she, but she'd never shut up. Now with age, I drew her 
uh, we brought her a couple times. And uh, that fella, I, when I drew her, and when my buddy Riley drew her, I believe that a fellow from uh, Kentucky owned her then. Okay. And he's a good, honest handler, wouldn't strike her, you know, until the minute was up. But I'm going to minus her if they strike under a minute. Mm-hmm. I mean, she don't ever shut up. and uh, But she was a winner, you know, and that's that's what we get beat by. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we all like to badmouth the Walker boys. Uh this but, is so but easy to do. It is, but <laughs> but the Walker boys win, uh, and you're you're right on that. We they, we they, they drank that Kool Aid or something. <laughs> you know, I, I had a buddy that's got a house full of trophies that was all by Blue Dogs, and uh, now Riley's been infected by that that Kool Aid, and now he's hunting Walker dogs. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, but that is we 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 honestly though. Uh, most of the time when we're getting beat, it's usually a Walker dog getting it. I mean, yeah. that's everybody is, and that's the and that's that's why they like them because they can win. But yeah. they, they they don't stay true maybe to what you described on that blue dog. They wouldn't have him, yeah, because they can't win that big hunt with it. Oh, he trails too much. He's on mm-hmm. the ground too much. Shocking, beat on him. Don't let him don't let him bark in the same pl- you know on the same track for ten minutes. He doesn't have it. He ought to have it treed, you know. Well, aren't, isn't that what we're supposed to be wanting to listen to? Mm-hmm. But now we now we're all about winning. Mm-hmm. We we touched on that a lot in our last episode <laughs> of of what competition hunters of today are looking for and what us as pleasure hunters of the past have been looking for. And there, a lot of times those those dogs that we would have liked as that pleasure dog doesn't fit that checkbox list of what you got to have to win big in the competition. They'll treat a lot of coons, and you'll have a good time doing it but they're not going to take you out and win the big the big hunts well and and don't you hate it when they when you're sitting to yourself saying man i wouldn't have that slick dream walker dog he can't run no track but yet he's treated six coons in the last half hour (laughs) (laughs) man that's hard to take it's very hard to take yeah they uh and that's what they do they they fly i mean a lot of them fly through and they pursue that style of dog uh i think they pursue more of a silent mouth dog some of them do. Some of them, like you said, want one that leaves the end of the track, uh, end of the lease of babbling. But they want them to get through there quick because they're a bushwhacking style. Uh, not necessarily a, a track dog, but they fly through there and they bushwhack a coon. And, and they're, they're very little mistakes to make with, when running that track when you watch it climb that tree. And uh, that's so, what wins. Yes, it is. I mean, do I like that? No. But I also, when I go bowling, I don't take a softball with me either. You know, that's a good, you got to have the point. right tool, and yeah. you got to accept that that's going to happen. Because mm-hmm. that, that's like you said, when you're when you're down to several coons on that dog, it's not a lot you can say. You're just sitting there getting beat. Yeah, you can say you got beat. You got beat. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's that's what happened. That's it. At the that's end it. of the night, whoever put the most uh, plus points on the paper is the one that wins the cast. Yeah, I don't have a problem getting beat. I've been beat before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll shake your hand and say, hey, you've done a yep. good job. I mean, that's we got beat it uh, two years ago at Autumn Oaks by Walker Dog. He was a little bit more of a traditional style dog, but he had, uh, I mean, he made six trees, had four coons. Uh, the rip dog that we was hunting at that time was young. He hadn't, he wasn't really ready, but it was kind of a hunt we wanted to go see, uh, maybe a measuring stick. But he wasn't ready. Uh, he went back to the first tree the first time, and that cost him and got on in there. But anyway, I mean, I got beat. That's just all there was to it. You just got beat. But uh, And I told him, I said, well, there was like uh, two minutes left to go in the hunt. We were standing there on top of a railroad track, and that old boy uh, 
he his dog located through there. And he said, he said, I reckon I ought to treat that dog. And Kyle said, he said, you ain't man enough to treat that dog. And he said, treat him. Walked in there and he had another coon. Because I gave him two and a quarter, another 225 plus. If it hadn't been for that, he'd had 625. <laughs> but because Kyle called him out and said, you you ain't man enough to treat the dog. He treated him and scored 850 and won the whole registered hunt out of Oak. So, I mean, he, he had confidence in his dog also. Mm-hmm. You know, some of your best wins come from uh, competition. You know, if a dog ain't close to you, you ain't calling your dog right. But when, you, when you're having to make that call at the end of the hunt, it makes them scorecards look pretty good sometimes. Yeah. Because you wouldn't make that call. Unless you wouldn't you... need to. I already got yeah. it one big time, but yeah. there's a chance that you might pull on me, so I'm going to go ahead and call it one more time, then you end up coming in with that, that what you needed to push over and win the overall hunt or yeah, something. You're right. Exactly right. Now, I do like it. Uh, it is the it is a, more often than not that it's the walker dog that's doing that, but I do like it when – when it's the blue dog that's putting the show on like that. Now, my brother was hunting down here. Uh, it's been several years ago, and he had an English dog. We all we make fun of states because he hunts everything. Uh, and he had a good English dog, and he would tree coons left and right. And I remember they called me at the house in timeout, and uh, I was like, how's it going? He said, he's looking good. He said, but they said, blue dog in this guy. He said, I can't beat her. He said, I tree a coon. She trees two. He said, as fast as he's pulling her off trees, she's popping another one. And it was it was tied to one of your crosses, too. I'll tell you that. But she was she was a Pink Floyd female. Can I get a pup off that? <laughs> we we tried and tried to buy her. I was like, buy that dog before you leave. And that guy wouldn't price her at the time, but she was. It was that that style of dog. And every time he said, I get a coon tree. And he said, before I can get mine off the tree, she's treated in front. We you know we've scored her, and he's cut her. We're going to mine before we get done shining. He's treated her again. And he said, every time they walked to her, she was sitting under another coon. That's what I'm looking for. That's what you're looking for. So that's that's, that's a very good point. Uh, let's let's uh, switch gears for one second and let's uh, go back in, in memory lane. And we was wanting to have you uh, kind of just go through your – go through that competition run with Sadie. Because, I mean, Sadie – to me, Sadie is the dog that set a whole lot of those pedigrees up. She was, she was the foundation of that. Uh, when, when you had her – when did you realize you had something special in her? I realized she was a decent dog about a month and a half after we bought her. <laughs> uh, I know Joe Richardson. I knew Phil Davis. And uh, we caught Phil at a weak moment at, right after Bogey got killed. Uh, Joe give her, give her back to, to Phil. And then Phil was brokenhearted and just going to get out of it and sold her. And Joe said, hey, these boys from, you know, Doug and Mark from Illinois wanting to buy her. So uh, <clears throat> we went down and bought her uh, just off what Joe told us. And then Phil said, yeah, she's pretty nice. So you didn't even know when you bought her what really was. You just bought her. We just bought her. And uh, uh, <clears throat> Doug kept asking me how she looking. She'd always treat coons, but I just, I said, hey, I just don't talk to them. Just don't call them back. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, I'm I'm a little bit conservative, so I thought that the money we paid was was plenty for. But she's a some of them Rambo dogs, a little bit quirky mm-hmm. as far as personalities, and she had no personality. She, you didn't mean nothing to her except a taxi ride to the woods. <laughs> That's it. And uh, now, when you bred her, she'd get a little bit emotional and want some lovings, but but you didn't mean nothing to her. And uh, after, and she wouldn't eat her dog food for a month. She just nibble enough to keep weight on. And then finally, she started eating. And then we started hunting her. 
and uh, man, she started coming alive. And I'm thinking, well, she, now I realize what's going on when she started eating everything. Now I know that she's comfortable. And I'd never hunted dark UE before. Well, we went in there and I, I, we bombed out Friday night. And then Saturday night, on a one cast wind, she had like 850 up in Michigan. And we, wanted, we went in there. I'm ignorant. I, you know, being in a world hunt, going through all the stages, mm-hmm. it really didn't mean anything because I, I wasn't nervous because I didn't know to be nervous, you know. I didn't know how big a deal it was. So we go top 100, terrible cast, three dogs running junk. Couldn't even run it right. And she's cold trail on this track. And finally, she gets treed off the way the dogs that run junk come back through the cornfield. And they're boo-hooing. She's about 200 yards down the way and gets treed. We walk down there. She's got a coon. One coon wins, wins a Thursday night. We go out to hunt by ourselves, pouring down rain and Luckily, at the end of the two hours, I mean, I'm an hour and a half into the hunt, she finally trees a coon. And by now, it's really raining. So we got lucky to get through that. And uh, then we went out the next night and had a little bit of a little bit of rough dog on that. That judge got rid of him. And uh, we got through that cast. They was treed there. Her and another dog at the end of the hunt didn't make no difference. Uh, one of the guys insisted the judge go with us because back then you'd be scratched for mm-hmm. a possum after the hunt. I said, well, that ain't a possum. I'll guarantee it. But they was grasping, you know. Mm-hmm. So we get in the final four, and it's really, it's not a big deal. You know, we're going to the... <laughs> not a big deal. Me, me and Doug, <laughs> really, you know. <laughs> me and Doug, we're going to the, we're going to the city park because we don't want her around the fairgrounds. We're going to the city park sitting on picnic tables and she's out there grazing on grass you know and laying down <laughs> sleeping and uh I, we just didn't know enough to be to know where we was at you mm-hmm. know and uh and we had a pretty good cast uh i treat her i treat her in and uh i don't know if i heard the wrong dog but when we got there she was in between two dogs in the creek and she don't leave trees or anything i must have made a mistake but none of the neither none of the dogs was ill, so I took some minus there. Uh, she she split treat had a coon. I got a bad break. The judge couldn't see my coon. I don't know what else had four rings on his tail hanging off the branch. So you could see them and I, and oh yeah, <laughs> it was one of those situations. It was, it was a bad deal, you know. And I and uh, and I say this probably shouldn't say it out loud, but. I give Alan Gingrich all the credit in the world because he seen me at a very bad place that night, and he still speaks to me, treats me good, and he's completely forgiven me for that night. <laughs> but that, you know, by then it's a pretty big deal, you know. Yeah, you finally hand. realized it was a bigger deal than and, what you thought. It was. And I showed him a whole tale of a coon, and that judge wouldn't plus it, and that upset me. You know? uh, well, yeah, you're you would have had the the first blue tick world champion. No, no, in all honestly, I wouldn't have. No. Uh, okay. I may have not found Quick's coon quite as fast before, <laughs> you know. But uh, uh, we had a four female cast that night, only time in UKC mm-hmm. history. And Insane Jane was in on that cast mm-hmm. too. And uh, we, had, we had a pretty good hunt, you know, besides that one issue. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, what would you do if you showed a tail to the judge, a non-hunting judge, and you didn't plus it? 
Yeah, that would be that'd be a devastating break, you know. And, and the other guy, he seen it. He seen it before I did. But in all honesty, it took me eight minutes to find that coon. Shine time was ten, so it wasn't like it was out in the open. Mm-hmm. You know, it, they didn't just flat out mess me up. But but uh, we got over that. And we had a pretty good cast, and and it was, you know, she also went and had the high score in blue tick female the next year. We uh, she split like. 11 out of the 12 trees she split going into the the Thursday night, right? And again, Thursday night of the next year was only one coon got us through. We go out to hunt by ourselves. Young kid getting paid $40 to take the cast. He doesn't, he doesn't have a clue where a coon lives. He just knows that somebody told him to go hunt this patch of woods that they had 14, 13 year old kid. I got the same judge that wouldn't see my coon. The year before oh my so uh we go out there and uh i let her i let her boohoo around for over an hour and uh, she's up on over this ridge and i kept asking that kid what's up there and he's i don't know i've never been up there so i go up there and i look down the other side and i said well, man there's a bean field in the middle of the woods so i go i go down there to get her because i'm on i call time out took, mm-hmm. my, took my hundred minus run in there swamp and she's out in that swamp and i had to run around the swamp and get her and then i didn't have time to get back so i had to come across the swamp and that nasty stuff up mm-hmm. there in northern indiana mm-hmm. i never got a coon treat in two hours in northern indiana mm. and the, the guy says well you got dry hole I said, how can you dry hole me in northern indiana <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean really but wow. the, what the slough had water in it but i let her go too long not knowing what she was in you know, because she, she'd be on the ground hour, she's going to treat you coon, mm-hmm. but not in that stuff. And then uh, the, then she trees a le- legitimate den tree, just dumb luck, and then I then I couldn't get one on the outside. So, I mean, it takes a lot of luck to get that it, far, you know. It does. It does. you got to have a good dog, but you got to have luck also. I, I've tried to tell some of these boys, uh, you got to have a good dog, but a lot of it's a break that you catch along the way or somebody else makes a mistake and you don't make that mistake. And I, I tell them that around home. Um, you know, at home, you get first and first on the coon and get a piece of another one. You've got that cast one. And around home, you've got to make, you've got to be perfect. The dog's got to be perfect. Uh, you can't make a mistake. If you do, you give that cast to somebody else. That's just how it works because uh, if you got first and first on the air cast, I got, I got all confidence. You got first and first in the air cast, you can leave that dog on the lead most of the time, and most still of the, win the most cast. of the time. Yeah. yeah, and and there's really, isn't there? Doesn't it come down to too much luck? I mean, you hunt for thirty days, you come down here, your dog does a great job on the first coon, first and first, and you got a den, and the other dog has a coon. Just dumb luck. Mm-hmm. But yet, it all comes down to that. And there's no way around. There's it. no, and, and a lot of that we talked about that this morning on a hunt like this. When you have so many people here, you're you got people just taking you everywhere, and uh, that's like with us last night. I mean, everybody wants to. And, and growing up, it's like uh, we're hunting these dogs. It's like I'm going to go hunt with so and so. That's that grand night dog, and you you get that mindset. Well, you know, now we're packing these dogs. That we all have those dogs, and we go out last night. And you drive an hour and a half to a place, and 
we've got all granite dogs. Every dog gets turning loose is a granite, so they're supposed to be really good. And, and that's what I told you before we started. We treat one coon with 10 minutes left to go in a two-hour hunt. That's all granite dogs. I mean, uh, it, it's a lot of it's the, the luck of the draw. I mean, it's just not a good place. The coons weren't moving. I mean, we probably would have been just as well to turn loose uh, down here on the city street and had just as much odds tree in one. Uh, it, it's what you get put in. You got to have the luck of the – if I don't have coons in the place that I'm going to, my dog's not going to trim them. Your dog's not going to trim them. They got to be there. Absolutely. And they got to be walking. Yeah. You know, if they ain't walking for some reason, you're not going to trim them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, that was uh, – that was not what I was expecting, you know, last night. That was that was a, that's my recap on that one. It was a great hunt. Had had a great bunch of guys. But when you when you go an hour and fifty minutes with three grand night dogs, that's every one of them dogs has won a lot of hunts. And uh, you know, our little female, she made it into the top one hundred of the world, so I know they can treat coons. And you don't treat your first coon until that long. It's just not it's not it's not your luck that night. It's just not gonna work out and you just gotta chalk it up and go on. So yeah. Uh, talking about uh, different style dogs and stuff like that, uh, what is your prefer- preferable style? I mean, uh, you hear a lot of people talking about a dead loner dog that's deep and lonely, and, and that's, I would say, more in the last 10 or 12 years, that style has really evolved. Uh, I mean, before, I mean, dogs would pack a little bit and get a piece of yours and some, maybe somebody somebody else's and then get one on their own. Uh, but people nowadays are they're pretty much dead set on wanting to through the country, deep and lonely they call it, and wanting to be by themselves. Uh, your thoughts about that? Is it? I mean, what's your preferable style? Eighty percent loner, hundred uh, percent loner. Uh, just you know, what do you think is right for you? I like them split. I like them by themselves. But there's a lot of go, lot to go into that. I got old ears. I don't hear real good. A lot easier to call that dog when he's by himself. Uh, a young young fellow that I hunt with at our local club, I was having an issue. My, my female was, was by herself most of the time. She'd pay attention to your dog, but she'd never tree with it. But she may be in there looking for that second coon. And the young kid had no clue what he said to me. He said, well, is she better by herself or better with company? I said, she's better by herself. She said, he says, well, that's what she needs to do then, right? There's a lot, lot to that. You know, what's your dog look better in? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the deep and alone's a big deal, you know? Uh, that also hampers on the breeding end of it. You used to have to have a track dog. The whole tree was, all four places was taken in five seconds, right? Mm-hmm. Back 25 years ago. Now, your dog's by itself. You don't know how he got there. He'd probably be slower running that track and peanut butter running uphill. <laughs> but it doesn't make any difference anymore, right? Mm-hmm. As long as he's by himself. By himself. And he doesn't even have to be able to run a track as long as he's by himself. So it, it makes winning easier. I'm not for sure it's, it's, it's better for the breeds, you know, to have them so independent. But we've almost got them independent to a fault, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. You know, in my opinion. But, but like you said, I... I like mine alone, a lot classier when my dog's training a coon and ain't taking, ain't taking the word of somebody else's. But on the other hand, I'd like to be that guy toting a me too idiot to these PKC hunts and taking money. Because <laughs> I think if you had a babbler that would back everything, 
I believe you could win some of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's, I think the money has changed a lot of the breeding Absolutely. perspective of, of what we're after in these dogs as a whole. Uh, uh, you got some some that are never going to conform to that. Uh, some of us will conform to a certain level, uh, but then there's that personal preference that we will finally draw the line. There's certain things that you're going to, and I, I, I I've not asked you that question, but there's certain things you're always I think going to expect in your dogs, and you're not going to you're not going to waver off certain points. Absolutely. We we can waver at a certain place, and I'll give, but there's certain things that you're going to demand in them at all times, and you're going to breed for that. Yeah, me also. I like. Like I said, I like I like the dog that run a track. I don't. I mean, I've got one that she's a blow through the country dog. Uh, don't bark a whole lot on the ground, and that's fine. I've got another dog that's a track dog. I mean, he he's gonna run a track. He's gonna show the end of it, and it's gonna be a you. I mean, people saw eighty five, ninety percent dog. He's actually a ninety to ninety five percent dog. If you he ends the track. You gonna look at a coon, or you gonna look at a legitimate den? Cause I mean that's just the way he is. He's that that style of dog. But uh, she was counting it up. I think uh, the last 17 trees that she has made, I've seen two dens and 15 coons. And that, like, I mean, she's kind of a bushwhacking style. She's gonna get through there and get a good track that she can run. And she may watch it climb a tree, but she's gonna be she's gonna be accurate by doing it because she don't have to let that. Track said her brain don't have to process that track and figure out which way to go and how it's running and, and this, that, and that, and the other. But she gets through there, and she knows that track's there. She may even watch that coon climb that tree and knows it. But it takes away, for myself, I think it takes away from some of the natural ability of dogs. And that's just my, my way of thinking. Well, and you said it right there when you, when you said when her brain starts working that's why I go for these natural dogs. You know, you go out there and my dog may not, this female may not end up as good as I thought she should have been with all the tools she was born with. But when she was six months old, she was a coon dog. Seven months old, she's a coon dog. Now all of a sudden she starts thinking. And that thinking process screws up everything in them dogs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why you used to be able to buy them at, you know, you go buy a, a two-year slump. At two years old, you, you go buy them dogs. Well, they just starting to think back then, you know. And you get them through that process, and they come back together. Well, now that two-year slump is 14 months because the dogs start so much earlier. Mm-hmm. So, you know, them, them, them old guys go pick these dogs up at 14, 15 months old and let them get that brain issue figured out, and they sell them for big money. If they just do what they was born to do, We'd have a lot more coon dogs, but they start thinking and they mess everything up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. That's what I've talked about. Some of the guys before they talk about patience with a dog, and I, and I've seen a bunch of them, like you said, in, in a two-year slump. They have what they call it, and a kid they call it the terrible twos, yeah. and uh, kind of same thing with dogs. And um, patience is a must at that time. Just keep letting them go and work and do and figure. But you're right. There's a lot of people when they hit that. It, bye-bye for them then you can buy that dog pretty reasonable then by the time they hit that that slump the owners are already shocking them and beating on them and you're just creating havoc in that dog's head you know you give your kids patience and you and you say to your kids well you know he's a kid it's okay for him to to act out or you know as long as it's not bad nobody gets hurt he learned from it but we don't give them dogs 
you know, a chance to do that and mature on their own. We got to have it right now. You know, we got to we got to hit that one year old super stakes, and this dog's got to be right. And in the process, I mean, every time you go beat your dog or shock your dog, you just create another problem you got to fix later. You know, time and time again, it shows up. So with that, we are going to take another uh, short break, and then we will come back and close this thing out. Uh, we'll sit. We could sit here and talk. I could talk with you all day. We, but I'm surprised we've already spent an hour <laughs> so we, and we've got a hunt to go to we've still got to go back up we've already sent half of the group over to do a confirmation of entries at this this winter classic event uh they got to be there between 12 and 1 or 12 and 2 to do that and so we stayed back and did it so well with that we'll take a short break coon hunting media is proudly sponsored by little t squalors Every competition hunter loves to hear. Your winning coon has just been found. Little T Squalers, owned and designed by Tim Tempton, has set the bar for high quality, dependable, and unmatched performance. From pleasure hunters to extreme competitors, he covers it all with his five elite models. Original Little T, the Triple Threat, the Double Shot, the Pro Series, and the newly designed Bell Ringer. If you want to enter the woods with confidence, contact his office at 423-562-5333 and become elite. In addition to our official sponsors, we would also like to thank the following sponsors. Secret City Kennels. The kennel is owned by Mr. Mark Gettner and Mr. Wendell Jones. At Secret City Kennels, they support the English Coonhound breed. They have English Coonhounds for sale from time to time. Contact Mark or Wendell for all your English needs. They are available for your English Coonhound advice and are happy to answer your questions. These guys have done their fair share of winning in the comp events, including wins at the PKC Labor Day Classic, fifth place overall in the UKC World Hunt. Ninth place in the AKC World Hunt. English Days, Winter Classics, and the list goes on and on. Mark is the current PKC English Coonhound President. Give either of these guys a call. They will be glad to talk with you. Their numbers are Mark at 931-787-2784 or Wendell at 865-748-77. Nine five. They are located in Kingston, Tennessee and Coalfield, Tennessee. Saddle Up Canine Cryo is owned by Mr. Bill Schenninger. Bill is located in Delta, Ohio. Don't miss out on the opportunity to keep that special stud dog forever. His services include semen collection, freezing, side-by-side -side shipping, and semen storage. Bill is also the owner of one of the best-known plot kennels in the country, Saddle Up Plots. Saddle Up Plots is home to UKC, PKC, AKC, WTDA, Grand Knight Champion, PR Saddle Up Lazarus. Lazarus accomplished the following accolades in 2021. He was UKC World Champ Plot, 
Plot Days Isaiah Kid winner, Purina Breed winner, Autumn Oaks Breed champion, APA Breed Days winner, fresh chilled and frozen semen is available. Contact Bill directly for all pricing and services information for K9 Cryo and Saddle Up Plots. Bill's phone number is 419-467-7689. Saddle Up Plots. Making plots rise again. Okay, we're back. Uh, we're going to try to uh, close this thing out. Uh, we got to looking at our watches and our, our phones, and uh, we've, we've rambled on for an hour already. And like I said, we're going to have to get over to the clubhouse or the Civic Center shortly, and we'll, uh, we'll wrap up with a few last questions. So uh, this is kind of where we're at. So, uh, Mark, what, what do you think are uh, some of the things we as blue tick people have to do to make uh, – more people because we're talking competition more more or less in this this uh segment uh, so what do you think we as blue tick people need to be doing to get more people to want to be packing a blue dog to these to these hunts uh we've talked a lot of that i think already but let's get into some of the other stuff that would make more people go to the hunts with the blue tick because obviously numbers make a difference uh the more we put in there and the more people's packing one the more the odds are that we're going to win. So if we go after everything we've talked about earlier today to get the traits in these dogs and we, we're, we're packing the dogs that can win, now just getting them to show up. Let's get them to pack them. What, what do you think on that, that thought? You know, I do believe in the odds theory, but I don't hide behind the odds theory. Uh, when you're hunting against 300 one breed and 100 against the other breed, odds say you're going to win. But if you have the best you should win, regardless of the odds. Mm -hmm. So I don't hide behind that, uh, but I do understand how that works against us. As far as getting the people to take the blue ticks to the hunt, uh, I don't know that answer. You know, the more we win, the more those people want to hunt a blue tick. That's a necessity. But I try to get people to go to the UKC World Zones. You know, I try to, get, I try to promote the zone, zones, promote the RQEs, and a blue ticker, yeah, I'm going to make a run to try to get in the, to win our RQE this year. What they mean to say is I'll travel 20 miles to my local one, but I'm not going 150 miles to an RQE. And uh, I don't know how to solve that problem. They, they don't want to, the traditional blue ticker won't, won't put out that extra effort to drive 100 miles and pay $40 instead of 30. Now we, we've been bashing these Walker boys. Will they do that? Yeah, absolutely. Every time. And I think yep. that's, that's a, that's a key point. Uh, we've got to get uh, them to want to do that. And I think as of late, uh, there's been some blue ticks have done a lot of, they're, they're doing more, I'll call it uh top line winning. And you're, you're seeing more people want to use those dogs now because blue ticks are getting it. So that's what we gotta do. We gotta get more wanting to take them uh, we're never going to get the numbers if we don't go. Well, and, you know, we might get a lot more blue tickers to go just for the simple fact that if you take a walker and you beat a blue tick, have you really won anything? You know, where if you take a blue tick and you beat a walker, you're a winner. We like everybody's to brag. Yeah, everybody, about everybody, that, everybody's right? talking about yeah. beat the walkers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> and yeah. I've got a buddy back home. Uh, he's a diehard walker, man. He 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 bashes me all the time. Uh, he listens to all these podcasts, and I, I always aggravate him, but he, he, he aggravates us always. you packing the wrong color dogs. <laughs> well, and then when you do start packing a good one, 
what do they say? Well, that's just a walker with blue tick paint on it. I've heard that <laughs> for the last year and a half more than what I want to. If, you know, if we don't get the kids going, it, all, all the kids, regardless of what breed, if we don't get them going back to the hunts, we ain't going to have nothing. All it's going to be is 16 people that can afford to spend $5,000 entry fee. That's going to be the coon hunting world if we ain't careful. And these kids can't do that. No. And a lot of these kids back home that are hunting, uh, their parents are not coon hunters. So the kids are trying to do what they can. And and a a kid that's in high school, what kind of dog are they pretty much able to afford? Not the dogs that are winning. And uh, it it does. It it changes. It's a whole different level. you got a group of people that got the fire, got the desire, that want to do it, but they can't afford to play. And it takes four thousand dollars to get started. You know, you got to have a th- you got a thermal now. You got to have a three hundred fifty dollar light, thousand dollar tracking system, thousand dollar box. And all they can afford is a two hundred dollar dog. That's and, right. and 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 that's a that's a thing. I, I do think too it would help a lot is if some of us breeders uh, and and people that's done this for a long time willing to help these kids out. I mean, sometimes uh, what we were talking about before the break, those kids have got that desire. Why not put that dog in their hand and, and let them go? So uh, what's your next question, Johnny? Well, I just want to tell you if, uh, what Mark thought about the uh, if the breed as far as competition hounds uh, has got better in the last 8 to 10 to 12 years. Because, of, and Mark made mention of it, of social media, we keep up with the dog that's winning. We see the dog that's winning. And I think guys have started turning toward those dogs to Used for stud dogs, or say the dogs, that, the females that's winning and want to buy pups out of those dogs. Uh, so I think that our, uh, and maybe some of the style is evolving also. I mean, uh, some of the older guys probably don't look for things that me and Jason does, uh, just because we we try to. When I go to a place, I want to try to win. I mean, that's my point. I want to go there, but I want to do it with a blue dog. Uh, so has it evolved any in the last? 10 to 15 years you know i i believe without a doubt we have different style dogs as far as the scorecard dogs i I think we do have a a better type of competition dog now Uh, i think the blue tick breeds come a long way but it's also changed tremendously you know we're looking for the tree dogs uh we don't have that track wallering dog, you know. Uh, they don't they don't mess with the track they can't handle. There's nothing wrong with running a good track, and I really don't care if they run it 20 minutes, you know, if, if they're moving. But I, I think our hounds are, I hate to say better, but definitely uh, different than what we used to have when I was when I was younger. You know, I hunted years without ever going to competition hunt, and we enjoyed listening to that big ball mouth dog and stuff uh i think our dogs are maybe faster now but then again did i have the class of dogs back then i thought i did but the worst thing you can do is ever have a good one then you ain't satisfied with nothing you know <laughs> that's you true you don't know you ain't got one until you get until one you get one yeah and then when you don't have that one anymore it takes a long time to get it back and you're you're very frustrated in the meantime absolutely yeah somebody coming off of you some money and you, and you sell the dog and then it takes you I don't sell nothing. Five years, and <laughs> you got to run up down the road, and and it's just a process. Uh, I'll say that. Like I said, I, I got out for a little while, and uh, I had two daughters, one 16, one 14. Oh, she'll be 14 March the 8th. Uh, 
but I got out for a little while and took responsibility for them because I felt I had to be a dad also. Uh, they were getting big enough to where they know right from wrong and I can get out and go and do some more uh, things than what I used to. And my youngest is, I bought her dog and I bought it for a bench show dog and we started hunting that dog and she, she's starting to want to go hunting, but it's hard for her to go with us because you're going to get a mild eating. It's going to be in the in the hills and hollers and and you can burn kids out like that. So, um, and that's one of our things. They down below our house, there's a guy putting in a uh, a pen, and people knock pens, and that's fine. That's, I understand that, but he's talking about having youth coon hunts inside this pen. Uh, they, they can stay there. Uh, it's going to be a big pen. It's got creeks and lakes and timbers, and it'll have coons in it. And probably not going to be no sanctioned hunts inside that, but you get kids in reasonable situations where they can enjoy the things and, and doing that, and it sparks sparks some of them and, and will continue to grow. I know it sparked in me when I was young and continued to grow and made me pursue things. Uh, so I think that's a good thing for the youth that's out there today. Like I said, it may not be a sponsored event, but just to get them involved and and that's not only in just coon hunting, that's outdoor life in general because uh, I think, uh, I told my wife the other day, I said, this, these smartphones is the dumb and down of America. <laughs> I said, uh, just everybody's dependent on those, but uh, uh, the skills that you learn and the, the traits that you learn of being an outdoorsman, woodsman, and woods lady uh, go a long ways in, in life in general. Look at what the coon hunters are, are dealing with. I mean... We don't have near the participation, uh, don't have near the hunters. But look what you're competing against. You know, we're all middle-aged, and we're addicted to our phones. Mm -hmm. Imagine a kid that doesn't know when he did. He always had a phone. Would you, would you rather go out hunting, soak to your underwear, come back with leg cramps, and you think it's fun? <laughs> or, you could, or you can sit on your phone and visit with all your friends and post Snapchats and everything you know <laughs> right right you, we can't compete against that no, stuff there's a yeah. lot of stuff to compete and it's it's hard to it's hard to get them into there uh so with that uh we we would like to figure out what we need to do to get more people involved this younger younger generation for certain and johnny's saying um asking what you think about the dog so we 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 feel the blue tick breeds got dogs that can compete and we want to get these these kids in there doing it. What what do you think it's going to take to get some more of those those in there? And we talked about that during the break. Uh, what's what's going to incentivize and entice those kids? Uh, the we talked about the word trophies. Uh, let's let's get into that. What 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 do we have to do to get them get that fired? I want to go to that competition hunt. I want to I want to pack that dog, and I want somebody to take me to go to that hunt. The rules are be. The, the rules now are being set by people middle-aged or older. Mm -hmm. And uh, we won trophies. And, you know, I went through the era where people didn't want the trophy. They wanted the pink slip. That proved you a winner. But they could still be macho because they got the pink slip, right? Mm -hmm. So they still macho. <laughs> but you couldn't be macho taking that hardware home. That was for amateurs. So why? And a lot of adults... A lot of adults wouldn't admit to it, but I'd rather have a five-foot trophy than a $500 check. Because mm -hmm. when you walk into my house and somebody that ain't been in a hunt in a long time and you got five or six-foot trophies, they're like, holy man, how'd you get that? 
You know, that's that's cool. You know, they're impressed. Mm-hmm. Maybe it doesn't impress me like it used to. But you expect the kid to go out and hunt his guts out when he could be on his phone chatting with his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. He hunts his guts out for 30 days getting ready for one of the biggest hunts in his life, which could be a local hunt. And he doesn't even get a wind slip, mm-hmm. doesn't get a ribbon. Uh, you go to a big hunt and you win a 12-inch trophy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, but you got, you got 40 pounds of dog food. Mm-hmm. Well, boy, that's pretty impressive. I'll it, hang the sacks up. Yeah, and they're, look at them. They're going in. They're going in two weeks. The money's gone in in just a matter of days. The money's gone. Mm-hmm. But that trophy, although it may not mean as much as that five hundred five hundred dollar check today, in twenty years you'll remember that hunt. You won't remember that check. That's true. And, and in the era we live, the amount of money that's spent. That my opinion on that. There's no reason the money can't still be there because we're spending the money. I mean, the money's getting spent on these events. We're paying for the dogs. We're paying. We talked about what it costs to get in. We'll go out and buy a fifteen hundred dollar tracking system and a four hundred dollar light. So there could be still the money still can be there. But there's no reason not to give those trophies out. And and like you said, I remember that growing up. You know, Johnny, remember our house? I mean, Dad, there was trophies stacked everywhere. Now, the mamas don't usually like them because they take <laughs> up a lot of space. Yeah. But everybody that come in wants to go through and, like, talk about those trophies. And what do they do? You pretty much can relive every one of those hunts. Absolutely. And, and you sit around and you you bring back those memories. But uh, I think that is something that would definitely entices them to, uh, to get involved because uh, we need those young people uh, – with the fire to, to be going to these hunts. Yeah, we, we need to look at it through their aspect, you know. Uh, yeah, they want to win some money, but they want to be like the big guys, and the big guys want to win money. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be a macho man. But, you know, I've met a lot of older people. that They're dang proud of them front covers of magazines, and they're as proud of them magazines and trophies as they was the $30,000 they want. Mm-hmm. And that's... That ups them in my scale, you mm-hmm. know, because they're man enough to admit that that is important. Mm-hmm. We talked about that during our little break, uh, and we don't, we don't name any names, but we talked about some bigger breeders that everybody looks up to, and we all know sitting back watching everything they win. They win trucks, they win all this stuff. What, what, what did you, and what you said a few minutes ago? What was they proudest of? What do they want to show you? They want to take you to the basement and show you the cover magazines and the. And the big wooden plaques and stuff, you know. Now, but I consider a truck a trophy, also. Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll rephrase it. That's a trophy. We'll take that trophy all day long. Yeah, I keep that for a few years. <laughs> yeah, fifteen or twenty. But that is a good point. Uh, those 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 memories are what they they enjoy having. That so I'm still saying give the money, uh, but don't slack on those trophies. Let's let's do that because yeah. you're right. A lot of these hunts, you don't at, at your local event, you can't really do it. No, you know, it, you're you're ending up with one or two casts. Mm-hmm. There's not enough money to give these kids or give any trophies out anymore. Even a five dollar trophy takes all your profit from the hunt. So that's that's tough. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But at the bigger hunts, you know, and uh, the breed associations, we got lots of members. We should be handing out a decent decent memory. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, m- mention that. I mean, like Johnny, we've you know we've got the boys. We're doing this. Uh, we do this for the boys, and and that's we want. And my, our daughters, if they wanted to get in, in into this, we'll we'll push it for them just as hard. But uh, as you guys were pushing on these dolls, and and, and Kyle's got you know he's kind of we took him in as a kid under our wings, and he's just gung ho has I call it tons of fire. But what was his mo? When you guys started winning, 
what was it he was proud of? Well, I, the first big trophy, and wasn't no six foot or nothing, but it was a big gold cup, and we got over to uh, Grand American last year, and uh, he was getting stuff out of the truck. We got home, getting this and that and other, and he raced in the back of the truck and pulled that trophy out, and I said, "Well, you going with my trophy?" It's just like I slapped him. <laughs> I mean, it was just—I mean, he—he he just his. His whole demeanor changed when I asked him about that. And he said, you want this? And I said, no, man, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, take that wee. And uh, this year he done the same thing over there. Of course, he won high school in blue tick mail and, and got 15th or 16th place uh, over there again. And he got two trophies this time, uh, one from both breeds, and uh, other BBOA and BBCHA. And I asked him, I said, well, you got the one last year. I'll take these two you got this year. And uh, he looked at me, and I said, I, "I'm go ahead, Kyle, take him with you. That's fine. But uh, it, it does mean something to these guys. Like I said, uh, I told these boys, uh, Kyle had been coon hunting. Uh, probably wasn't hunting the best types of dogs. And uh, me and him partnered up and done some things. And But uh, those are memories that he's got. And his dad, his dad even... Uh, move some stuff around in the living room to be able to put that in the living room because he, he's proud of his son. And I'm proud of the accomplishments that Kyle's made also. So, I mean, we can look back at that. Maybe one of these days when I'm dead and gone, he'll say that grumpy old man uh, used to cart me around a little bit. And that's memories that yep. they can't take away. It, it's okay to be proud of your accomplishments, you know. Mm-hmm. For some reason, as guys, we don't feel that way. We go to a big hunt, my buddy, he wins a nice trophy. He puts it in the back seat of my little S10. And all the way home, we, we keep rolling this window up in the back. The window keeps coming down. I'm like, what the heck? Well, the trophy barely, barely fits in the back seat. <laughs> As we're going down the road, it's vibrating on an electric window and rolling that down. He's just, he just laughing. He's bragging, you know. Well, the trophy's so big it won't fit. So we go to the world hunt, and I get top female with Trudy. And I done see this trophy's bigger than his. And I said, Riley... <laughs> I told my buddy, I said, go put that in the back seat. So he's over there trying to get in the back seat because I know it don't fit. <laughs> <laughs> so we got we to take a top off that trophy, and I remind him, it's, I'm way past that electric window switch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's a good point, and we're using Kyle as that example of that. But uh, that's all these kids. These young, this yeah. young was in there. We, to what you said, they've got the fire. And they are hunting their guts out. I mean, uh, these boys, you know, Kyle and Hudson and them, they hunt hard. And uh, we're getting old and fat and lazy, and uh, we don't have to because we got somebody that's hunting hard. Yeah, our responsibility is monetary now. Yeah, it's it's a different responsibility. But you're right. They're doing that. And these other kids, we want to get in here and, and get them going to these hunts. Give them something to be proud of. Let them have, you know, like I said, that'll be one of the few things that they won't throw. And I promise you, these young kids that are doing it, uh, mama don't like my trophies and stuff, and she's ready to throw them away. She won't throw away the kids. No, I can still won't. find trophies at the house, and it's like, can we get? Are you no, no? Mamas don't get rid of those, and uh, they mean something. They'll keep them around, and it's. Uh, and I'll go back to what I said earlier. We'll relive hunts, you know, and it's fun to sit around with our parents, like my dad, and then they'll listen to these stories about how this hunt went down or whatever. Well, that was forty years ago, but they remember it vividly, and they're. They're going to be the same way. These kids are going to remember that stuff. Yeah, exactly. 
I can guarantee you just keep my phone number handy because the, the day after I die, my wife will be giving away my trophies. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can get you some there. <laughs> you, I guess you can think about these trophies just like hunting. How many people want some amount of deer? Why? It's a trophy. Yeah. I mean, they but keep... I, and they, absolutely. And, and, and you got... And, you know, those deer, it's five to $800 a mount. Mm-hmm. And you got five... You got, let's say you got 10 mounts on your wall and you kill one big one. You just wasted all that other money because ain't nobody looking at them other ones. Nope. They ain't looking no. at them 150s. They're looking at that 180. Right. So mm-hmm. That's exactly right. But that's why we do it. We yeah. put them on the wall. If it wasn't yeah. for that, Memories. we would never put them, put that money into it. So that's a good point. I seen a, Mark posted something the other day on Facebook, and he was scanning his room that. going around <laughs> through there and this and that and other. And I made a comment on the post uh, uh, talking about getting rid of these things. And I've got a room we called it we built it for my wife as office and uh, she ain't never used it because she can't because you've got everything (laughs) stashed in there it's all your fault i've got several deer heads and mounted turkeys and some trophies and things in there and my gun safe and uh but uh it started out for her but we kind of repositioned it for for us and i don't have a lot in the living room i don't have no head i got one head on a pedestal in the living room but the rest of them's in that in that room and i had that pedestal made because it was more like art than it was a mounted head yeah that's why she let you put and that she one said, in there you can have that one in here but the rest <laughs> of them got to go in there <laughs> at the end of the day they know who the boss is yeah that's true <laughs> uh it, any last things that that we've not talked about that you'd like to throw out there or at all i mean that, you, that we've not covered that you was like man i wish they'd asked me this question or that question or not really Okay. I can't think. I'm sure there is, you know, but we could we could ramble on about crazy stuff all day long. But okay. Well, I have uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed sitting down and talking, and uh, I like. Well, every time we've hit a break, we've talked for 20 minutes in between. Yeah. I'm like, oh Lord, we'll be here for three hours if we get back yes. into this. So, uh, thank you for sitting down with us and uh, having this conversation, and uh, we'll get you. Uh, We'll get you aired out there, and everybody will get a... Well, and, and thanks for having me, and, and you all made it real easy. It's real comfortable. I, I enjoyed myself. Well, I, I think as we started this, because I was like, I don't want to do this, and the boys were like, getting started, and then we started doing We're all... Johnny and I are like, I like this. This, yeah. this is pretty fun. Yeah, we, is. we could sit and do this all... We do it all the time anyways, because that's... Right. My wife will tell you, she's like, you're on the phone all the time talking to somebody. There's somebody calling all the time, always have, and... Uh, you get started talking about this stuff. It's like, yeah, I'll talk to you for two hours if you want to talk about My it. My daughter's is worst in the world. Who are you talking to? Well, Williams come up with them old crazy dog names at and this and that and other. And you start <laughs> talking and, and and they know some of the bloodlines because I've talked about it in front of them. And they say, oh, this and that and this and that. And they, yeah, that's it. And it's made an impression on them just me talking about talking about stuff like that mm-hmm. in front of them. Yeah. So, so like I said, we we do appreciate you sitting down with us and doing that. So, at that, we'll uh, we'll call this one done. And uh, before we go, we want to uh, uh, wish everybody that's hunting the Winter Classic down here in Batesville, and it's a hu- it's a good turnout. It is very good turnout uh, for this one. Uh, UKC's done a fabulous job setting this thing up. But for us, we we definitely want to uh, go out and and thank our uh, listeners that are are joining in and doing this. And thanks for all the new new follows that's coming on. And definitely want to thank all of our uh, official sponsors. Uh, want to throw another shout out to uh, Outlaw Lights with uh, Alan Roberts. Uh, appreciate uh, him and Dakota Lights with uh, 
Hoop and Tater Franklin, uh, uh, very, very supportive. Uh, thank you guys for that. Uh, I wore, wore an outlaw light, light last night, and it was very impressive. I uh, liked it very well. And I will throw another little plug out there. Uh, a lot of you guys follow us on Facebook, and, and uh, our, our buddy Kyle, he had a bad accident the other night. Uh, how many people can say they've slipped and fell off of a 30, 40-foot bluff? Uh, knocked him out cold, and when he woke up, first thing he saw was his light was laying over there still burning. So uh, pretty rugged. <laughs> I'll yeah. give it that. So that, that part was good. Uh, shout out to Little T Squalers, uh, Tim Tipton. Uh, very good squalers. Uh, get with him and, and get you one of those. Uh, everybody down here has loved them. They they bought them like wildfire at the yeah. at the event, not expecting to do that. He he had a huge case of squalers and it's like almost sold out yesterday. So yes. good, good product. Uh, and uh, again, thank you to all the listeners that have joined in and hope you enjoy this one. Thank what, you. <laughs>